I'm Laura Vinroot Poole. For 20 years, I've owned Capital, an internationally recognized specialty store. Capital has never really been about fashion. It's always been about people. What We Wore was created to share the meaningful journeys that inspire me. From the designers and friends I meet on the road to the men and women with whom I work each day. Everybody wants to know her Season five was full of so many special moments. There were journeys through motherhood with Brent Neal. And so tell me about launching your own collection. I had my son while I was at Kara, and then I became pregnant with twins, but I didn't know I was having twins. Oh, my God. And so I... It's like the 70s. No, literally. People will be like, oh, my gosh, and you have one more. And you have one more. <laughs> Luckily, that's not how I found out. It was a little earlier than that, but it was it was very... Surprising. <laughs> Surprising. I was by myself. My husband was like, and he couldn't make it. It was the second. I'm like, it's okay. I'll go by myself. It's fine. I found out that I was having it. And then the Uber ride from the hospital where I had the sonogram, like back to care, back to work, the Uber driver just listened to me on the phone with my mom and my sister. And like, you know, he was like, this is the best ride of the whole day. I was like, oh my God. Anyway. I just – I couldn't go back to work working sort of like an 8.30 to 7 o'clock job, having three kids under three. <laughs> it was, you know – so I was sort of shell-shocked and I told her and she was like, oh, Brian, you're not coming back. I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> so we were – like I trained my replacement and I took a year off. Uh-huh. And – Well, not really. <laughs> I know. Not really. A year way more on. I don't know. Um, exactly. But – she um, she was always so lovely to me and was a real mentor. So, so what was the impetus? I mean, you were you ha- the babies were born and then you started the collection. Yeah, so they were super early. They were two months early, and it was really scary. And they were in the NICU for like two months, uh. and um, it was just like a really weird period of time. And I didn't feel like myself. Yeah, and so my husband really like encouraged me too. To start to start painting again and to start creating. Wow. What a great husband. For me, when I look at your work and when I, I had read a little bit about this and when I knew that that was the period you came from, your, your work is so much more meaningful. You know, and and, so, and it really, it does, it, it, was, it, it was called uh, After the Rain. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a tough period of time and jewelry has always been um, – you know, a part of my identity, and I yeah. don't, you know, I lost that yeah. that year. Sustainability and activism with Greg Renfrew. We as a company were the first company to really publicly post this list of ingredients that we choose not to formulate with, and those ingredients are linked to cancer, reproductive toxicity, neurotoxicity, and endocrine disruption. And, you know, they, they include things, like I said, like parabens and phthalates and formaldehyde and, you know, things like that, pegs. And they are, we, we, we created that list because we wanted to define clean because there was no definition of clean. And that for us is now 
the Neverless is just the beginning of, of clean for us. We have a much more comprehensive approach to it today. But it was also to serve, you know, everyone to say, here are a list of ingredients you just don't want in your products, no matter which brand you're shopping. So download this and take this out in the world with you as you shop the market. And, you know, one of the things that I think is really frustrating is oftentimes companies in the government expect consumers to do the homework, but they don't have the time, the desire, and they, they have no idea how to, I mean, even today after all these years. Yeah. And, and by the way, after 10 years of doing this, I can still look at the back of a label of something and have no idea what these ingredients are there. And, you know, you know, I mean, right. I, you know, methyl lysothiazolinone. I mean, you know, people are like, you know, unless you have a PhD in chemistry, it's pretty hard to decipher what's safe and what isn't. And so that's why we published our never list. Sustainability is also a big buzzword in fashion right now, but it's something that you guys have been practicing at Beauty Counter from the beginning. And I think it can be a little intimidating to understand. Can you explain to the listeners what sustainability looks like in terms of your ingredients? Yes. We, when we look at sustainability, and you're right, it's a huge word and it's a big buzzword today. We look at our comprehensive approach to clean, which includes restricting ingredients that we know do or may cause harm to health. It's looking at supply chain transparency. So as an example, where did that ingredient actually come from? Was it pre-preserved you know, with formaldehyde or something to extend its shelf life before it even came into the United States? Are the workers that are you know working in the fields or who are you know going into the mines to get mica are they paid fairly are they are their children being used in this you know are we looking at our impact on the earth in terms of recyclability the non you know non-virgin plastic use of glass etc so we look at sustainability from all of the angles up and down our supply chain including including our ingredients you know looking at you know, how are we doing the best job we can? And we're not perfect. I mean, it is always progress versus perfection, but how do we help teach people what's actually happening out there in supply chain? How do we create systemic change? How do we bring the consumer along the journey with us? And how do we always endeavor to do better? And I think that, you know, I think gone are the days when you can ignore sustainability and whether that is sustainability as, as, defined by taking care of the planet or sustainability as being defined, you know, defined by creating systemic change to help workers to be more responsible in the way in which we bring products to market. I think that we all have to start paying attention to this. Business Breakthroughs with Amy Smilovic. It seems so simple in hindsight. We're like, we can't do business that's not profitable. Yep. We are not in a business to average out where we'll make some good money in one hand and make no money in the other and average out in the middle. We can't afford that. So we will not do any business that's unprofitable. We will not overextend ourselves. We took ourselves down to 39 employees. So we said we will not try and do the same amount with less. We are going to do less with less. I was like, I've got two designers now. We had five people just on the design team, you know? So I'm like, what can we do? And I was like, we can do two main collections and we can do, we can create drops when we, when the, the feeling hits us. But we thought we can't do any of this if there's a crazy markdown cycle going on out there. So that meant that we had to cancel relationships with every single U.S. department store. And we did. And that was really, really liberating. Powerful Life Lessons with Skylar Samperton. I grew up one way, um, you know, with this glamorous mom and glamorous lifestyle and pretty much, you know, didn't worry 
about anything and, you know, went on lovely trips and went to a lovely school and all of that. And um, I just sort of assumed that that would be my path and that things would only get better and better. But my family had sort of an unexpected reversal of fortune, shall we say. I was really forced to kind of figure things out on my own. I'd always worked um, since I got out of college, but I had some extra support uh, from my family until this kind of happened. And it was like the rug got pulled out from under me. And so I sort of had to figure out how to make things work on my own. And um, it was a big, <laughs> it was a very eye-opening experience <laughs> in, a, in a lot of ways. You know, it was incredibly challenging and difficult, but I learned so much and it really made me the person that I am today. Isn't that the biggest gift of all to, to, to learn and to, to realize that you can take care of yourself? I, I talk to my team about that all the time, you know? Yeah, it, it is. I mean, I, you know, honestly, I, I don't know too many people that have been in that situation where they had to kind of you know, rethink everything. And it and it doesn't just affect your finances, you know, it affects your relationships with, with friends and family and all sorts of things. And how long did it take for you to realize that it was a gift rather than... Well, I don't know. I was so busy trying to figure things out for a few years. I don't know. It took me, took me kind of a long time because, you know, it was, it was challenging. I just, you know, I, I lived in a house that I sold and I gave the, the profit back to my dad. I told you that I used to work for a couple of record companies and I had this insane record collection. And there was actually a point where I had to go to Amoeba Records and sell them. So I had enough money to go to the grocery store. I mean, it was pretty gruesome for a while, but I figured it out. We were discussing an article in the New York Times earlier this week about role models for girls. And what's really important is that women start sharing the tougher moments and how they moved through them. And it, it really does make me grateful that you shared yours. Do you feel like you were you were more able to face challenges after you went through your, as you say, reversal of fortune? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yes. Going through something like that, no matter what it is, I think really um, teaches you about yourself and nothing seems like too much right now. I mean, I'm, of course, you know, I go through things like everybody does and some are easier than others, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I know that I can kind of weather the storm. New chapters with Jeffrey Kalinske. And then the pandemic happened and they shut me down. I mean, that must have been so painful not to have control over your baby and your, I mean, your career. I, you know, I don't know if I still understand it yet. Yeah. It's still like a bit of a process. There's still a lot of pain and there's some anger Yep. and there's some relief mm -hmm. and there's some peace. Yeah. Um, there's just, there's a lot that I don't understand. I kind of, I've got a couple of mantras right now. One is the acceptance of loss mm -hmm. while being open to joy, you know? Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to accept the loss and I'm trying to be open to letting uh, new good things in. My, my therapist today told me something that I thought was really helpful. She said, 
pain plus reflection equals progress. Yeah, that's true too. <laughs> and moments of sheer joy with Claire Crespo. You know, I did that for years and I quit abruptly. Like I was an executive producer at a production company, which was kind of a big job, you know? And right. I was like, I can't do this anymore. And everybody's like, what are you going to do? Like, where, what are you doing? I was like, I'm going to make jello. And I literally <laughs> like that. I like quit that big fat job and invented a jello aquarium. Seriously? <laughs> Seriously. That's in my first cookbook, jello aquarium. I'm like, I've made it on the today show. I've made it on oh good America. Like that jello aquarium was my ticket. And you have a very unique style icon. I think that is not part of your real family, but maybe part of your imaginary one. Can you tell me what this song might mean to you? We'll begin with a spin traveling in the world of my creation. What we'll see will defy. I'm kind of crying. <laughs> I love him so much. Tell me why you love him so much. Oh my gosh. Well, I, oh God. I mean, like, do you, <laughs> I'm scared to like really tell you how obsessed, but I'll try and tone it down a little bit, but I just find, okay. Well, the flag that I sort of fly behind a lot of the things that I do are, is, sort of encouraging kids or encouraging grownups or anybody to like keep your mind open, trust in the magical and just believe in things that turn you on. Anyway, so Willy Wonka is entirely inspiring to me in his, you know, appreciation of children and children's wide open minds. And I just love, I just, you know, the imagination in that movie is just touches me. <laughs> yeah. it, 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 you walked down the aisle to that song, didn't you? I did. It was played <laughs> on a uh, accordion Aww. by this guy <laughs> on the bayou, like in outside of New Orleans. Oh my God. And yes, that's what I walked down the aisle to. I mean, I, that song is very, very important to me. And, and I mean, come on, his outfit, like I've been chasing that look, like I will, I mean, I'm always like, it kind of looks like Willy Wonka and I will buy it. What We Wore is produced by Capital and Balto Creative Media. The original song, Someone So Enchanting, was composed and performed by Britt Drazda. is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com.